that's a Band-Aid solution. We need full-time police officers. Making the better way a safer way. The city's new plan for transit security and why it is getting a rough ride from politicians and critics alike. Good evening. Following an extraordinarily violent seven days on the TTC, Toronto's efforts to curb the situation are underway. Police in a show of force mixing with passengers on all forms of city transit. CTV's Janice Golding begins our coverage tonight with a look at how the day transpired and the reaction. So you just got that from A disturbing find at Dundas Station. Yeah, I just walked over and I was just sitting there. A snapshot in the day of an officer on patrol as a service ramps up its presence on a beleaguered transit system. It's also a little bit scary, just everything that's going on. I feel like the incidents have been like piling up. Upwards of 80 armed and uniformed officers will monitor the transit system, hoping to stem a surge of violence on the TTC. Brutal robberies, stabbings and assaults, with passengers and transit workers alike being targeted. Well, I've been on the job for 21 years. I was hired as a bus operator, and it's alarming to me. While more policing may be a quick fix, the head of the Transit Workers Union says we need longer-term solutions to address mental illness and homelessness. If individuals need the system as a means of shelter, let's not have them live in the system. Let's provide them with the resources in order to live comfortably elsewhere. His thoughts echoed by many passengers today. We need to give people housing. Uh, there's empty buildings. Let's get them some good housing. We have to work on social conditions for people and improve society um, by doing proactive things like taking care of the mentally ill, um, building more community centers for youth. Still, most riders welcome an increased police presence. I think it'll help the situation. I've been hearing a lot lately of things happening, so yeah, definitely feel better. Police patrolling the TTC will be working off-duty to ensure frontline officers are still available for priority calls, and that means they'll be paid overtime on callback shifts. The price tag for the new patrols unknown. The chief of police only saying costs will be monitored on an ongoing basis. Janice Golding, CTV News. The premier is taking issue with the idea of cops on overtime to patrol the TTC. Doug Ford said he is fine with adding more officers, but he wants a more permanent solution. Queen's Park reporter Siobhan Morris joins us now to explain. Siobhan, what did the premier say? Well, the premier did highlight a funding boost from the province to the city for policing since 2018. Doug Ford also insisted that Toronto is better than cities like Chicago. But when it comes to an increase in violence around transit hubs, Toronto is in line with the trend. The province believes there's room for collaboration to address violence on the TTC. Deeply disturbing to hear about youth um, that are so uh, disenfranchised that they feel their only pathway is to attack. But the Premier isn't sure Toronto's approach is the right one. I appreciate uh, Mer Meritori has come up with a, a plan, but it's, it, it's, it's a Band-Aid solution. He wants more police officers hired on a permanent basis, not adding hours for those already on the job. We're really relying on the existing police officers to come in and uh, sign up for the, the callbacks. A sociologist explains with more police. You're going to have an increase in police finding things that are wrong, doing what they've been trained to do. And oftentimes the people that are cited, detained and arrested are people who are already marginalized. Flores would have liked to have seen the investment redirected. Well-versed and experienced social workers to hang out in these areas, perhaps to do ride-alongs with, with, with police. It's something Philadelphia is trying after a spike in transit station violence. We're so much better than a lot of these U.S. cities and I don't want to be trending that way. 
But Toronto is dealing with the same pandemic rise in attacks on transit as American urban centres. After years of social disruption... We're having to come into contact with people, and I think sometimes tempers, uh, fuses are short. With people struggling to get their basic needs met. To find somewhere safe to sleep at night, to have three meals a day, to take care of their families. New York and Chicago have boosted their police presence on transit. On top of social workers, Philadelphia has deployed AI technology to try and spot guns on the subway system. There's no concrete sign those moves are working. In Toronto, talk about working together, investing in mental health supports. And we're working those partnerships and funding the programs that we see making a difference. The new TTC budget proposal does make room for 10 new councillors intended to help get people riding the TTC to stay out of the cold into temporary shelter. Reporting live, I'm Siobhan Morris. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Siobhan. Battle-ready armored vehicles made by a company right here in the GTA. I'm just going to Ukraine defend itself against Russia and their personal connection to the war effort. There's a live look at the DVP tonight. Drivers making their way along the parkway, likely eager to get their weekend started. A word of advice, though, better include a shovel in those plans. Lindsay Morrison is here with a look at weather. Lindsay. Yeah, Nathan, we are looking at two rounds of snow, the first moving in tonight, and that has prompted Environment Canada to issue winter weather travel advisories for communities close to the shores of Lake Huron, as well as Georgian Bay. And the snow, coupled with winds tonight, going to make uh, for some reduced visibility. That snow is inching closer to us here in the GTA. We're looking at a trace to maybe two centimetres of snow. Very strong winds already gusting close to 40 kilometres per hour. Expect 60k gusts before the night is finished. And temperature-wise, we're just below freezing, and of course feels colder once you factor in those winds and this is going to be warm compared to what's in store later this week we'll show you just how cold the start of february is looking coming up in your forecast nathan all right thanks Lindsay. tonight's wind is not going to help workers trying to repair an issue high above the city a leaning antenna atop a tower near young and adelaide it has forced the closure of a major downtown intersection and is just one of the many traffic shutdowns expected to give drivers fits this weekend ctv's john musselman joins us now with the details downtown john well michelle here on adelaide the uh, sidewalk remains closed to both pedestrians and also traffic here on adelaide because of that problem high above it's difficult to see from the air, but if you look at the top left of your screen, you can see a white antenna that appears to be leaning over. It's located on the top of a 24-story building that faces onto Adelaide at Victoria Street. Adelaide has been closed to vehicles and pedestrians since last night because of a potential falling hazard, police say. Well, obviously that's not good. <laughs> it's kind of scary, but uh, as long as we divert and go the way they want us to go, I think we're okay. For businesses on Adelaide Street, the temporary road closure is a bit of a headache. Pedestrians can only access this mini food court off Victoria. The Adelaide Street entrance is off limits until Sunday. So it's been making it more difficult for customers to come in general. Yeah. And this week especially was super slow anyway because of the weather, so this is not really motivating anyone to get out of It's also causing traffic jams for people hoping to use one-way Adelaide Street to cut across the downtown. Motors were being forced to divert up to Queen Street. This emergency closure is just one of a number of traffic closures to keep in mind if you are driving downtown this weekend. Northbound University Avenue from Queen Street to Armory will be closed. It's for advanced underground work for the Ontario line. 
Water Main Repair, King Street West and University Avenue. That work continues 24-7. It's expected to be completed in about two weeks. And there's traffic changes at King and Young Street. The TTC undertaking work for the King Station Easier Access Program on Young. And the closure here on Adelaide, this emergency closure is expected to last until at least Sunday. Reporting live, I'm John Musselman. I'll send it back inside to you. Thank you, John. Also on the roads, the driver of a dump truck is in hospital after crashing into an overpass in North York. It happened in an industrial area near Ormont Drive and Tor York Drive. Police say the vehicle had its box up when it struck a train bridge. The driver was listed in serious but stable condition. CP Rail has been notified and officials are checking out the overpass to ensure it's structurally sound. And take a look at this. Police say a truck driver was sent to hospital after chunks of ice blew off another transport truck and smashed through his windshield. This happened on the 401 near Cordes Road. OPP described the driver's injuries as minor, mostly cuts and scrapes. A lane of the highway was blocked off as the investigation got underway. Provincial police shut down a stretch of road in Perth County today as they investigate a sudden death. This happened on Perth Road 122 between Line 50 and Line 52. Police say they were called to this area just after 2.20 this morning after getting a call from a passerby. A van on the side of the road has since been towed away. Investigators say it's too early to tell if the death should be investigated as a homicide. Any potential witnesses are urged to get in touch. In Memphis, video will be released tonight showing an interaction between police and a man who later died. This afternoon, the family of Tyree Nichols appealed for calm. We want peace. We do not want any type of uproar. We do not want any type of disturbance. We want peaceful protests. That's what the family wants. Uh, that's what the community wants. The 29-year-old motorist died earlier this month, three days after he was stopped by police. Those who've seen the video are shocked and outraged, some calling it a heinous beating. Five police officers have been charged with second-degree murder, among other offenses. They were also fired. And here at home, the Ontario Association of Chiefs of Police has released a statement that reads in part, The circumstances surrounding Mr. Nichols' death are not only criminal, but horrific and highly disturbing to us as police professionals. Ontarians must have full trust and confidence in their police services. A number of GTA police departments are echoing that sentiment on social media, including Halton, Durham and York. Ceremonies were held around the world today in memory of the six million Jewish people killed during the Holocaust. Survivors and other mourners commemorated International Holocaust Remembrance Day at the site of the former Auschwitz-Birkenau concentration camp. It was liberated 78 years ago today. In 2005, the United Nations designated January 27th as an annual day of commemoration on the date the death camp was liberated in 1945. Toronto is also marking this somber day and working to ensure future generations understand the nature of this horrific period in history. CTV's Beth McDonnell joins us now with more on those efforts. Beth. Nathan, the passage of time means there are very few Holocaust survivors left to tell their stories, which can have such a profound impact. I'm outside one school, which took part in events today, and education is considered one of the keys to remembering. 
At Toronto City Hall, people stand for the Song Shul, a prayer tailored for International Holocaust Remembrance Day. Held on the same day as the Auschwitz concentration camp was liberated 78 years ago. That's a long time now, which means those with living memory still alive are fading, while concern is growing. We know that anti-Semitism is increasing worldwide. We know that the forces of hate are mounting once again. It's why pushing back is so important. The murders of six million Jews did not begin with the Holocaust. It began with derogatory comments amongst children in the schoolyard and adults in the workplace. And it later evolved from verbal harassment and slander to physical violence. These all came together to incite deeply rooted hate. The fact that he had to lie about his age just to be able to survive. For these grade 8 students, the realities of the Holocaust became front and centre, taking part in a Q&A session with a survivor. It was very heartbreaking to hear what happened and that people just allowed this to happen and didn't really think about it twice. They just thought Jews were like subhuman and it didn't matter if they were taken off and killed. I didn't think it was a joke before but that really like um, just like really assured me that that wasn't like something that was made up which I never thought it was. The students know it's up to them to carry the story forward. We have a responsibility to pass this information that we've learned on to our children, our grandchildren, and on to just other people that we know around us because we need to learn about our history so that we can't repeat it. It's important that everybody knows that this actually happened. It's not a joke because it's quite serious and I, we don't want this to happen to anybody ever again. The message emphasized by Toronto's mayor, highlighting Canada's own shameful past of residential schools. Because the Holocaust story is unfortunately one of many, and we're not immune from having stories of our own right here in this country. I think we have an imperative to re-examine Holocaust education continuously. The need for all of us to pass the torch now more than ever. This past fall, the Ontario government announced mandatory Holocaust education for grade 6 students. That is to start in September. Reporting live, I'm Beth Magdanelle. Michelle, back to you. Thank you, Beth. And in Ottawa, the Prime Minister placed a wreath today during commemorations at the National Holocaust Memorial. Justin Trudeau says ceremonies marking this day become more important each year as fewer survivors remain to tell their stories. He insists words alone are not enough and concrete action must be be taken to combat anti-Semitism and hatred. The United States is calling for a de-escalation in the Middle East, where deadly violence has erupted between Israel and Palestinian militants. Seven people were killed, several others injured, when a Palestinian gunman opened fire at an East Jerusalem synagogue today. He was shot by police. It was the deadliest attack on Israelis in years. Yesterday, an Israeli military raid killed nine people in the West Bank. That was the deadliest single strike in the territory in two decades. And early Thursday, Gaza militants fired a barrage of rockets into southern Israel. The Israelis responded with a series of airstrikes. Experts say whether the classification changes or not, the COVID virus is still a threat to many across the globe. The World Health Organization is deciding whether to continue classifying COVID-19 as an international public health emergency. CTV's Genevieve Beauchemin reports. Masks are rare in many public spaces in Canada now, and lockdowns long over. 
This is the WHO considers dropping COVID-19's designation as a global emergency. That label was first applied nearly three years ago to the day. While we're clearly in better shape than three years ago when this pandemic first hit, the global collective response is once again under strain. Officially, on January 30th, 2020, COVID had snuck into 19 countries. 200 deaths had been linked to the virus, all of them in China, and there were three confirmed cases in Canada. But the virus was about to march across the globe as the WHO declared a public health emergency of international concern. It has certain legal and economic implications in terms of the WHO issuing recommendations and issuing certain calls to action, but it doesn't change the reality of what's going on. Parts of the world, but not all, now have access to ammunition, vaccines, therapeutics and diagnostics. But the WHO says the shape-shifting virus hasn't vanished. Deaths have been rising since December. 40,000 were reported last week, nearly half in China. And hospitals, including here in Canada, are under strain as exhausted workers now fight several viruses. All this part of the WHO deliberations. I still hope whatever, whatever they decide, that they still communicate that COVID is still here, that we're going to see this virus wax and wane as we move forward and that we should still take it seriously. A decision was expected today, but the WHO now says it won't come before Monday, perhaps a sign of diverging opinions. Geneviève Beauchemin, CTV News, Montreal. A Peterborough man with special needs fulfills a lifelong dream, seeing his beloved Maple Leafs play a game live. A special tribute coming up. We're learning more about an apparent difference in health guidance from the province as the respiratory virus has surged in the fall. Our online team obtained Health Minister Sylvia Jones's notes from the legislature in mid-November. They do not include the strong recommendation from health officials that same week to mask up indoors. You can find full details on what they did include and the ministry's response on our website, ctvnewstoronto.ca. Tomorrow is the first anniversary of the convoy protest against pandemic measures. And authorities in Ottawa say they'll be ready this time, just in case. On January 28, 2022, thousands of vehicles and people rolled into the nation's capital. This weekend, there will be a beefed-up police presence downtown and a zero-tolerance approach. All vehicles violating the regulations will be ticketed and towed. And any unlawful behavior during assemblies will be addressed promptly. A federal election is nowhere on the horizon, but the prime minister and the man who wants to replace him are already exchanging barbs. If you're not responsible for any of these things, if you can't do anything about it, then why don't you get out of the way and let someone lead who can? The leader of the federal conservatives addressed Tory MPs this morning as their two-day caucus retreat got underway. Pierre Polyev laid into Justin Trudeau, but a few hours later, the liberal leader clapped back. And while we were doing all this work last year, Mr. Polyev was out talking about how we should all invest in Bitcoin to opt out of inflation after he watched videos on YouTube about it. Trudeau spoke during a meeting of the Liberal caucus. He laid out the minority government's priorities for the new session of the House of Commons that begins on Monday. Most of his speech focused on the economy. Below the border, authorities in San Francisco have released video of the attack on the husband of former U.S. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Hi. How you doing? How are you? What's going on, man? Everything's good. 
Hi. Drop the hammer. Um, nope. Hey, 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 hey. What is Sorry, going on? I'm right not now? getting an answer on David DePap there on the left has been indicted on federal attempted kidnapping and assault charges. Paul Pelosi is out of hospital but faces a long recovery after an intruder struck him with a hammer in October. A new barrage of Russian shelling has killed at least 10 Ukrainian civilians and wounded 20 others. Towns and villages in the east and in the south were hit the hardest. A wave of attacks that hit deeper into Ukrainian territory yesterday killed at least 11 people. Moscow has bristled at announcements that the Allies are sending tanks to Ukraine. France said today more than 320 of the heavy weapons have been promised from several countries. That includes Canada, which is providing four Leopard 2 tanks. Canada is also supplying a fleet of armored vehicles to Ukraine, and they come with a made-in-Ontario tank. CTV Sean Lethong has this rare look inside the production facility and explains why, for some workers, the job is personal. This is the war effort. The production of armored vehicles destined for the front lines in Ukraine and built entirely in Canada. We truly believe that these vehicles are extremely needed in Ukraine. Roman Shimanov is the CEO of Rochelle, creator of the Senator Armored Personnel Carrier, giving us a tour of their Mississauga facility. So they know exactly what needs to be done. The Senator APC has been used by NASA, the U.S. State Department, various police forces, and it has been in action in Ukraine since April of 2022. They helped them to, uh, to evacuate people from uh, the combat zones. They take part in reconnaissance and surveillance operations. Last week, the Canadian government committed 200 of Rochelle's Senator Armored Personnel Carriers to Ukraine. With its ballistic steel and 100-millimeter glass windows, they were requested by the Ukrainian military at a cost of $90 million to Canada. This department, they're building the floor. Shimanov is eager to show how the vehicles are built entirely in-house without relying on the supply chain, allowing Rochelle to build fast. The biggest challenge is to make sure that all of the components will be ready on time so we can produce four vehicles every day. Shimanov says there's much more at stake than just filling an order. His wife is Ukrainian, and... Most of the people here are Ukrainian refugees. Since the start of the war, Rochelle has hired 80 Ukrainian refugees. Like 68-year-old Volodymyr Mosayev, a welder by trade, he was visiting family in Canada when war broke out. So he stayed and applied for a job. I used to build uh, ships in shipyard, and now I build armored personnel carriers. Rochelle's contribution is being recognized by Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky, who tweeted, the Ukrainian army needs 200 senator APCs more than ever. Together, we're moving towards victory. These people can contribute to their country by building vehicles that in a very short time will be in a combat zone. Shimanov says they're in constant contact with the Ukrainian military in order to make adjustments to their design. With production moving 24-7, all 200 Senator APCs will be delivered by this summer. Mosayev says the job here is only part of the work that he and his family have in front of them. After everything is will settle in Ukraine and I'll be able to bring my family back from Canada, I will go and I will rebuild our cities, we'll build the houses, we'll rebuild the schools and uh, everything else that will uh, be required. Until then, the work 
the war effort continues. Sean Lethong, CTV News. Coming up, efforting to curb the dark side of fashion. Experts explore how to keep all the unwanted clothing, clothing out of landfills. Ideas to keep you from throwing that old look in the trash. And I'm Pat Foran. Coming up on Consumer Alert, did you make a New Year's resolution to lose a few pounds? If you did, you may be in the market for a new scale. The latest models have dropped in price, are much more accurate and high-tech. We have a review. That story is just ahead. So some flurries or light snow expected later this evening and overnight tonight. Uh, winds are going to be strong. Our temperature holds steady at about the freezing mark. And it's also going to be quite comfortable during the day tomorrow. So it's a great opportunity to get outside, enjoy some winter fun with snow now on the ground and more on the way for Sunday. Yeah, this one looks like it could pack a punch, this next system. We'll give you an idea of how much snow is in the forecast coming up. And stay with us. We've got another full night of great shows for you right here on CTV. It's been about four weeks since many of us made New Year's resolutions, and one of the most popular is getting in shape and losing a few pounds. Right, and if you're trying to track your fitness progress, something that can really help is an accurate bathroom scale. Pat Foran has our story on Consumer Alert. Pat. You can, Nathan and Michelle. Thank you. If you're trying to get in better shape, a scale can be a great motivator. Research has shown people who use one on a daily basis are more likely to reach their goals. New scales are cheaper, more accurate, and some have high-tech features. It's a question you might not want to answer. How often do you weigh yourself? I weigh myself every day. I weigh myself a few times a month. If you're starting a weight loss plan, researchers say studies suggest you should weigh yourself every day, not just occasionally. And when you do, it matters too. Weigh yourself in the morning, after you go to the bathroom, but before you eat or drink anything. Doing it in the morning is best because that's when you'll get the most accurate weight. Your weight fluctuates during the day, so weighing yourself at the same time gives you more consistent results. And in the morning, your body has had time to process the food and drink that you had the day before. Where you weigh yourself also matters. It's best to place your scale on a hard, even surface, not on a rug. Make sure to stand still with your weight distributed evenly on both feet. If it's time for a new scale, you don't have to spend a lot to get one that earns high scores in Consumer Reports tests. The VitaFit Digital Body Weight Scale is a bargain and scores excellent for accuracy, consistency, and ease of use. And if you're looking for something a bit more high-tech, consider the Fitbit Aria Air. It can be used with Bluetooth or Wi-Fi to connect to the Fitbit smartphone app to track all your fitness progress. And Consumer Reports says January is the best time to buy bathroom scales. Retailers often discount them to help you stick to your New Year's resolutions and fitness program. On your side, I'm Pat Foran. If you have a consumer story idea, email us at alert at ctv.ca. Toronto police have made several arrests after another alleged case of real estate fraud here in the city. Police say three people impersonated the owners of a Toronto home while they were away this month and sold their property. They're accused of trying to access the money at a bank in York Region yesterday, but investigators stepped in and arrested 41-year-old Jue Wang on charges including fraud over $5,000 and laundered proceeds of crime. Xing Yu Ling and Ling Pan, both 22 years old from Toronto, also face fraud charges. 
All right, to the forecast, many of us, I'm sure, looking forward to the weekend and hoping for the best. Mm -hmm. Nathan's going away somewhere nice and warm, <laughs> and I'm true. sure this is a really good time for anybody going away because it's getting colder yep. and we're getting more snow. Yes, so the snow comes a little bit earlier. That's uh, tonight, and then as we make our way overnight and into the day on Sunday, we have a couple more days of buffer before the real cold air arrives, but it's coming, ready or not, just in time for us to welcome the new month. Wait till you see these forecast highs and lows for the the first couple of days of February. Weather is brought to you by Train, the most reliable heating and cooling brand. It's hard to stop a train. Okay, I think we can all agree that the majority of January, though, has been quite mild. And as a result, this is what we're dealing with as far as ice coverage on the Great Lakes. Now, we're not necessarily talking historic lack of ice, but pretty close, less than 5% total ice coverage on this date, 1.3% uh, on Lake Ontario. Part of the reason that we're seeing still lake effect snow, lake enhancement at this time of year is the fact that those lakes are not yet frozen. And we are encountering that tonight with this winter weather travel advisory in place. We've got a clipper system moving through. That's bringing us uh, the burst of snow through the night tonight. We've also got those very strong winds. So that's likely to reduce visibility on the roads, especially for areas areas uh, to the east of Georgian Bay as well as Lake Huron. But uh, we too are in for uh, maybe a dusting to two centimeters of snow here in the GTA. That is round one when it comes to the snow this weekend. And here's round two. That system is still developing. It looks as though it could bring us a decent little amount of snow. So here's by about the noon hour tomorrow. You can see uh, not looking at major accumulations around the GTA, but that changes into Sunday. This is what one model is suggesting, maybe a fresh five to 10 centimeters of snow. Other models suggest we could get even more than that. So here's the timing. Here's later tonight, about 1030 in the GTA. Uh, into tomorrow, hopefully some sunny breaks in the morning. Watch that streamer there off of uh, Lake Huron crossing in through Georgian Bay, across the Bruce Peninsula, Midland, Penetanguishene, and into eastern sections of Ontario. I know, pretty impressive this point in the season. Then it's late Saturday into Sunday. This is what we're waking up to on Sunday morning. A uh, bit of mixing or rain for the north shore of Lake Erie. But for us in Toronto at this point, it's looking like snow and things will finally clear out as we head into Sunday afternoon. Here's a look at your evening forecast tonight. It's a good opportunity to spend time outside because the temperatures are comfortable, the weather not overly active. Tomorrow's forecast daytime high is zero. That's about as warm as it's going to get over the next little while. Look at the cold air that's gradually making its way south toward us here in the lower Great Lakes. Here's the seven-day forecast. I'm going to focus specifically on on the early part of next week. Look at those highs. Look at those lows. We're talking wind chills near minus 20 at some point next week. We officially welcome February on Wednesday. The trade-off, at least finally, we'll get some sun. Nathan, over to you. All right. Thank you, Lindsay. The Toronto Maple Leafs will be without Austin Matthews tonight when they host the Ottawa Senators. In fact, they won't have him for at least three weeks. The star center has been sidelined with a knee sprain. It happened during Wednesday's win over the New York Rangers. It means the reigning Hart Trophy winner will also miss the All-Star game. Pontus Holmberg is moving into the top six this evening for the Leafs. Here's Boucher. He'll fire the three, and it's good. On the hard court, the Raptors are visiting the defending champs for the second leg of their seven-game road trip. Toronto is on a two-game win streak, while Golden State is coming off a strong outing against Memphis, but sits at just uh, 500 for the season. Tip-off is at... 10 on TSN. It's a big weekend for Toronto foodies as this year's Winterlicious officially gets underway. 
From today through February 9th, restaurants across the city are offering special fixed-price menus for lunch and dinner. More than 220 restaurants are participating, and you can find a full list and details on reservations on the city's website. Each year, endless amounts of clothing are dumped into our landfills, but some Ontario researchers say there are things we can do to curb this fashion industry faux pas. CTV's Colton Weens explains. So I think this is a garment which is perfect for reuse. From trash to treasure, Sabine Weber is a professor of fashion and is exploring different ways to reuse clothing items like this in hopes to reduce the number of textiles in our landfills. The question is, of course, where can we recycle them and how can we recycle them? Weber led a study in partnership with the University of Waterloo. The research showed Canadians throw out about a billion pounds of fabric items per year, making up just over 4% of landfill waste. If the industry would continue on the same pathway as we are right now, then I think we would emit for a quarter of the global greenhouse gas emissions. So we have a really big impact. We use a lot of energy to produce the textiles, and so it makes sense to avoid you know, throwing them away. Researchers used a ranking system to evaluate the quality of the clothes. For example, a pair of ripped, stained jeans could be repaired and resold, and cotton shirts can be reused as reclaimed fibers for fashion, or even things like home insulation. So there are some that are really high quality, and they don't belong in the waste because they can really use them. Others can be recycled. I'll take a quick glance at the labels. Consignment stores like Carousel Clothing in Kitchener are proving sustainability is here to stay. We see a lot of fast fashion come through the door and we do turn a good chunk of it down. Any clothes they don't sell are donated to charity to be reused. That's the last thing I want to see is stuff being thrown out into the garbage. Store owner Paula Wilkie says despite the growth of fast fashion, she sees some shoppers shifting their mindset. A lot of calls from... Um, the younger generation that are looking to recycle and repurpose their clothes. The future of fashion leaving an environmental impact. We have a program for everything, but not for textiles. As researchers work to build infrastructure to recycle clothing in Canada, hoping to change how each province deals with waste and keep clothes out of landfills. Colton Weens, CTV News. Also tonight, proof is never too late to pick up a new hobby or skill. Just ahead, find out how this 92-year-old woman is once again discovering the joys of life. There is fresh challah bread for dinner tonight, courtesy of a 92-year-old baker and her colleagues who believe in unlimited possibilities. As our health reporter Pauline Chan explains, it's all part of a new dementia program. She always was um, making food and taking it to the kids and um, making sure everybody was together for a meal. At 92 and dealing with dementia, Esther Cap is no longer taking charge of meal preparations, but a new program at Baycrest called Possibilities has renewed her interest in baking. Today she prepares some raisin challah bread with her daughter-in-law, Deborah. Bring this hand up. There you go. As Esther's dementia has progressed, Deborah says her ability to walk and use her hands has diminished. But then there's things from the past, like brushing the egg wash over the challah, 
that was in her brain and that pattern's there and she's going to keep doing that. Yeah. Uh, with Possibilities by Baycrest, uh, it really starts foundationally by our philosophy of care, which is looking at how we maximize someone's potential throughout their cognitive journey. Melissa Trzanski helped create the program, which individualizes care and activities for each client. It starts with an in-depth survey, which goes well beyond favorite foods and colors. Just because somebody moves into a residential care setting shouldn't mean that they lose their ability to make choices. And so they're bigger choices and simple choices like what time somebody wants to go to bed, what, somebody, what time somebody wants to get up. Unlike many care facilities where everyone is on a regimented schedule. For the Cap family, it means knowing that their mom, grandma and great-grandmother is happy and stimulated. And the program is showing results. People who haven't had very many words and are considered nonverbal who are now saying a few words. The Possibilities program started last April and it can accommodate 15 clients in various stages of dementia. Baycrest is now looking towards expanding the program in the near future. Pauline Chan, CTV News. Taylor Swift dropped a new music video overnight. Lavender Haze is a track from Swift's 2022 album, Midnights. The singer is receiving praise for casting transgender actor Laith Ashley as her love interest. Swift tweeted, This was the first video I wrote out of the three that have been released. And this one really helped me conceptualize the world and the mood of Midnights, like a sultry, sleepless 70s fever dream. Hope you like it. And this wasn't the only new video out today. Sam Smith debuted the music video for I'm Not Here to Make Friends this afternoon. The lyrics focus on the singer's search for love as they attend a lavish party. It's from Smith's new album, Gloria, which also debuted today. Some good news tonight if you're enjoying The Last of Us. HBO's already renewing the new series for a second season. The darkness is falling, the sky has turned gray. The show follows survivors making their way across the U.S. after a zombie fungus wipes out most of civilization. The Last of Us is based on a video game of the same name and filmed in Alberta. The renewal comes only two episodes into the first season, but HBO says it's already proven to be a hit. Stars Tonight is brought to you by Last Man's Bad Boy. Who's better? Nobody. Well, I've been hearing a lot lately of things happening. So, yeah, definitely feel better. Updating our top stories, there was an increased police presence in the TTC a day after the city announced 80 officers are being deployed to address recent incidents of violence. The premier weighed in, calling it a Band-Aid solution. It's like every corner something new is going up or something's falling or something's getting built. Drivers are being warned to prepare for closures downtown this weekend. Adelaide is shut down from Young to Victoria as crews work to repair a leaning antenna. There's also a closure on University, north of Queen, and water main repairs remain ongoing at King and University. We know that anti-Semitism is increasing worldwide. A message to not repeat the horrors of the past. Holocaust Remembrance Day is being observed around the world and here in the GTA at Toronto City Hall. There was a special memorial to remember the victims, including the six million Jews who died. A new survey suggests Canadians are cutting costs by cutting back on driving. BNM Bloomberg's Jacqueline Hansen explains in our business update. 
One in 10 Canadians surveyed say they are turning to cheaper alternatives for getting to work, including public transit, carpooling, biking, or even walking. The survey conducted by Leger on behalf of BNN Bloomberg and Rates.ca found that some workers are trying to avoid the commute altogether by working remotely or changing jobs to commute less. The survey suggests rising costs are to blame as inflation continues to squeeze Canadians' budgets. Some drivers are also saving money by avoiding unnecessary trips, delaying vehicle repairs, or selling additional family vehicles. Let's take a look at some of the closing market numbers for today. The Canadian dollar is trading higher, just slightly, at about 75 cents U.S. West Texas Intermediate Oil declined about $1.30 to a little under $80 U.S. a barrel. Western Canadian Select also declined almost $2 to $55.71 U.S. a barrel. As for stock markets, the TSX eked out a small gain of about 14 points to end the day at 20714 that is the latest in business. I'm Jacqueline Hansen of BNM Bloomberg. Canada's obsession with avocados is having an indirect impact on a narco war in Mexico as cartels battle for control of the industry. On this weekend's episode of CTV's W5, they traveled to the avocado belt where farmers say their lives are at risk. They take away your orchard and they cultivate it and take all the money. So the narcos are coming to farmers and saying, you give us your land or else. Yes, and if you don't, they come and kill you. Canada imports more than 100,000 metric tons of avocados from the impacted state each year. W5 hosted managing editor Avery Haynes also spoke with top cops and cartel members as farmers call for more action from Mexican authorities. The Jalisco New Generation Cartel is by and far the most brutal cartel in, in Mexico. And they really have done a very public push into this region and control vast swaths of Michoacan state and are, uh, you know, making these farmers live in, in fear. You can watch Avery's full special report, Narco Avocados, tomorrow at 7 p.m. on CTV. It airs right after our 6 o'clock newscast. Just ahead, he'd always wanted to go to a Leafs game and finally got the chance. After the break, a heartfelt goodbye to Leaf fan Mike Davey. Hey there, Toronto. I'm Teddy Wilson. And I'm Nicole Stravinas. Welcome to Think to Know T.O. Each week, we shine a spotlight on a wide variety of local businesses, services, events, and initiatives from across the GTA. These companies are part of what makes Toronto one of the world's most vibrant cities and a great place to live, work, and play. Join us Saturday mornings for Things to Know T.O. And visit us online at thingstoknowto.ca. It hasn't been around these parts in about 50,000 years, but now a green comet is headed our way. NASA says the dirty snowball will come within about 41 million kilometers of Earth on Wednesday. It's already visible in the northern sky with binoculars and is expected to brighten the northern hemisphere as it draws closer. It might be worth a look because the cosmic visitor may not return again for millions of years. Finally tonight, a story that is both happy and sad all at the same time. Mike Davey loved his Maple Leafs and left this earth having fulfilled a wish to finally see a game in person. CTV's Andrew Brennan reports. Mike Davey always dreamed of going to a Toronto Maple Leafs game. 
Tickets are not easy to come by, but his support worker, Craig Meredith, made it happen. Mike was 65 years old with some, a lot of health problems. But if you've seen him jump into that wheelchair when Mitch Marner scored that goal, he was 20 years old again. A highlight reel ending from his favorite player, fulfilling a dream years in the making and months to plan. Davey went to bed on top of the world. The next morning, Meredith found he had passed away in his sleep. Makes me feel better to know that he went out with a smile on his face. Davey lived with Phyllis Bryan, who helped take care of him. He was one in the family. That's all there was to it. And he was very settled in. He'd, um, every night at bedtime, he'd want a hug before he went to bed. He always had his hug. Mike Davey had been receiving support from Community Living Trent Highlands for going on two decades. He was known as a mischievous but very lovable troublemaker. At the end of the day, you couldn't stay mad at him for very long, and I, I don't know what it was, the, his smile. And that smile was on full display at the Scotiabank Arena. It was the best. Christmas just happened, but that was Christmas right there. The Maple Leafs put out a message saying the team is honored to have had Mike at the game on Wednesday and that all of Leafs Nation is thinking of him. Andrew Brennan, CTV News, Peterborough. It was such a touching story. Let's mm -hmm. move on to the forecast. The weekend is here. Yeah. And there is snow. There is snow tonight as well as tomorrow night. And tonight it's interesting. The temperature might even go up a degree or two, which would maybe be, lead to a little bit of mixing. But it's not tonight that we're worried about the snowfall accumulation. We might get a dusting around here. Here's a look at tonight's overnight lows. Right around freezing here in the city of Toronto. Possibly some areas climbing slightly above. One more look at the satellite and radar. That snow is inching ever closer to the west end of the GTA. Creeping closer to Hamilton you're already seeing some light snow in places like London, Kitchener, Waterloo and Brantford. Here's one more look at the special weather statement. It's a winter weather travel advisory warning of that snow coupled with some very strong winds. So we get a one-two punch. There's tonight's system. Here's the one that's going to arrive overnight and into the day on Sunday. Uh, it's still a little bit early to determine exact snowfall amounts, but it's looking at this point like 5 to 10 centimeters of snow. Less active next week, but colder with some sunshine. Nathan and Michelle. Thank you, Lindsay. That is it for us. Be sure to join John Venn and Valley Rao tonight at 11 for CTV National News, followed by Zoraida Allman with our next local newscast at 1130. In the meantime, our coverage continues anytime on CP24 and online at ctvnewstoronto.ca. For Lindsay Morrison and all of us here at CTV News, thank you for watching and have a great night. Good night.